On today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast, we're going to be talking about how technology and specifically our devices are deeply shaping us as parents. They're also shaping our families, but we want to explore pathways of meaningful resistance that can be found in the Christian tradition. We'll talk all about that in a minute, but first, I want to thank my friends over at Hyatt Health for sponsoring today's episode. I know some of you dads listening may not be giving too much thought about the vitamins that your kids are taking, or maybe you just leave it up to your wife to make those decisions, but I want to challenge you to give this some thought. Hyatt Health was actually started by two dads who realized the vitamins they were giving their kids were essentially sugar-filled candy in disguise, so they decided to do something about it. Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? And we all know that what kids eat instead are chicken fingers, mac and cheese, processed foods, ice cream, and more. And the vitamins that are supposed to fill in those nutritional gaps are based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. My kids absolutely love these vitamins. They're made from 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. Most children's vitamins are filled with 5 grams of sugar and can cause a variety of health issues. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. It's manufactured here in the United States with globally sourced ingredients, each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Dad Tired listeners receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com forward slash dad tired. Or enter the code DADTIRED at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash DADTIRED. HIAHEALTH dot com slash DADTIRED. And get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Again, go to HIAHEALTH.com forward slash DADTIRED. Or enter the promo code DADTIRED at checkout. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today, Felicia. What's interesting is I, I just put on Instagram, I did an Instagram poll maybe two days ago, and I asked, have you seriously considered giving up social media? And we've got like, I don't know, somewhere around 50,000 people who engage okay. over there. And, and uh, so hundreds and hundreds of people responded to this poll. Yeah. And uh, 93% of them said that they have seriously considered giving up social media. And what I actually found most fascinating about that is, they're still there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, they answered that 93% of people said yes, but they're still there, which I think was so fascinating. I mean, I'm still there, you know, uh, and I would have answered the poll. Yes, I have considered giving it up. And yet here I am still on it. And so it's just really, uh, there's so many layers to that. But anyway, I think our phones are shaping us. Our devices are shaping us. I think you've done a lot more research on this than I have. So I'd love to hear why did this topic pique your interest and uh, what have you been learning? Yeah, that's a big question. So I, I got into this work early on when actually email was hitting the scene. If oh, yeah, can you've remember been, back yeah, you've been doing it a while. <laughs> I've just been watching things for a while. And I was really interested in the ways that we were integrating email into our school lives and into mm. our work lives and not having any conversations about it. 
Mm. not talking about what does this do to our educational experience? What does this do to our experience at work with our colleagues? There was no conversations. And that's what really was interesting to me to kind of think about, well, why aren't we talking about these fairly substantial changes? You know, it it took some time for it to ramp up to where we are now, right? Not just with email, but with social media platforms and texting, right? And video streaming, right? Like it's much more complex. Right. But what I've been interested from the beginning in is the ways in which as a society, and even within the church, we don't really have language or ways of talking about these changes that Mm. we are in fact experiencing. And so that's what got me into the work. And as I've been getting into it, you know, I I studied mom bloggers when mom blogging was just kind of getting off um, and dad blogging even that was really fun to look into as well. But it was the question has always been about, you know, how is our digital practices shaping the ways we do family, the way we do relationships, the way we do community, the ways we even do identity, like, you Mm. know, our very understandings of ourselves. And so I've always just been interested in that. And the things I've been learning, that was the second part. Yeah, Yeah, let's pause there for a second. I, I was actually thinking about this maybe three days ago. I wasn't in the workforce 25, 30 years ago. I was just a young, you know, toddler, but I was thinking, how did work happen without email? You know, like, like, did you you just like go into somebody else's office and then you had, you just talked about it. You had to have a conversation or you want to talk to a colleague or someone else in another, you had to like drive to their workplace or pick up the phone and call them, you know? Right, right. Yeah. You know, I've, I've asked my older colleagues about this too. And they look at me and they say, you don't know what it's like to listen to all the phone messages that we used yeah. to get, you know, like, like the phone messages on the that little, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they just got tons of that. There's a lot of memos, like paper, yeah. you know, memos going back and forth. And like you said, you know, knocking on doors, walking across campuses to a different floor, driving to your seat, you know, yeah we're probably healthier in so many ways. Other way, you know, yeah. the fact that, you know, yeah. like mentally, yes, but just like physically, I had to probably walk more. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right. Just picking up telephone, you know, interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, it seems so foreign in such a short amount yeah. of time at the world changed in such a short amount of time, which that's really what I want to talk about. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I had a friend and this will kind of get to that second part of the question. Like, what are you learning? But I had a friend, a mentor really just this week, tell me, He's about to be an empty nester. He said, if I could do it all over again, I would not have given my kids social media before they turned 16 years old. And that was one of the, and this guy is a guy that I highly look up to in the way that he parents and the way that he does, you know, as a husband, but it significantly impacted his family. And I, I think that one of the thoughts that I had after he told me that was, if this isn't good for our kids, which I think we're all pretty quick to admit as parents. I don't think this is really good for our kids. Mm -hmm. I think what we're slower to admit is it's probably not good for us either. (laughs) But tell us like, how is it actually shaping? I think a lot of us, including myself, are probably in a lot more denial than we'd like to admit. Yeah, it is definitely shaping us in, in lots of different kinds of ways. So one most prominent way is just the way in which 
the fact that we have so many devices and the devices are so easily accessible, we are constantly aware that there is something coming yeah. through our messaging or our emails or our social meets. There's something there for us to read or to look at. Someone's asking us something. And so our tension, our preoccupations, where our mind is, is fractured, right? Mm. We are where our bodies are and we're tending to our kids or to our work or to the person we happen to be having lunch with or coffee, right? But somewhere, like a portion of our consciousness, right, is dedicated to always kind of knowing, oh, something else is happening, mm. right? And so the impact of that, I think, is really interesting to consider, right? To what degree are we able to be fully present yeah. in the work that we're doing in being with the person that we're with? Or, and even how much are we capable of being present with ourselves, right? And yeah. that's actually even scarier, right? Mm. To be present to ourselves and be quiet enough to know what is going on inside of ourselves instead of looking mm. to our devices, right? So that's just one example. Yeah. Right, if, of, if God's speaking in the, the quiet ex- and there's exactly. no quiet, it's going to be hard to hear the voice. Yeah. 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 That's and terrifying. S- Yeah. So, I mean, I think the ease, right? The ease to which we can access what is interesting, what is necessary for us to know, what is entertaining profoundly impacts us. And the fact that these devices and these platforms are designed by corporations that want to keep us there, right? They want to keep us on Netflix. They want to keep us on Instagram. They want to keep us on our phones, right? And they've hired incredibly brilliant scientists to design these technologies that know exactly our psychology, our vulnerabilities, our desires for belonging, Mm -hmm. our desires for worth, right? Which are all valid and wonderful things, right? But using those appetites and our, our desires to keep us tethered to these devices, means that it just becomes increasingly difficult, right? That, that we are habituated in our bodies, in the chemicals, in our brains. And this is where certainly talking about children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that as adults, we're being habituated. There's lots of questions about what are going to be the long-term effects on our kids right. whose brains and socio-emotional development is very much still in process, what is happening when they are being formed by the dynamics and the kinds of the ways in which their friendships need to happen when they yes. are mediated by these devices and these platforms. Right? Yeah. Um, so there's lots of questions that a lot of researchers actually don't have a lot of long-term evidence on, right? Because like yeah, you're saying, it's data. so new, yeah. Yeah. right? It's so new. So I always like to remind parents, like, we are the guinea pigs. Like, yeah. We are the first generation raising up kids in this kind of digitally saturated world. Nobody really knows how this is going to turn out, right? And But it is worth observing that people like your mentor, that people at Silicon Valley who have built these devices, who have built these platforms are saying, our kids are not going to be on these tablets until whatever age, or our kids are not going to be on social media until they're 16, for example, right? It's because these folks know, right? They know how powerful it Uh is. 
And so for those of us that may not know as much yet, it's a signal. It's kind of, it should get us all scratching our heads, kind of thinking like, hmm, maybe we've got to think about how to do this. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of people who maybe even see the title of this episode. They start listening and there's probably a couple of things they'll think it's not really shaping me or my family that much. I don't think it's really shaping me. You know, again, that sense of denial. Mm. So I think that's going to be an obstacle that a lot of us have mm. to overcome. It's like, well, you you're actually deeply being formed by your device and your family is deeply being formed. The other thing I think that a lot of people are probably thinking is, well, what can you do about it? This is the times. We live in 2021 right now mm-hmm. and uh, it's only going to get worse, it's not going to get better. So what do, you know, what do I become a monk or what are my options here? You just kind of got to get right. Into- what would your response be to those two thoughts? The question of, is it really shaping me? I think there's two ways that we can discover how much it's, well, well, one immediate way comes to my mind. If you've ever spent time away from any of your devices, substantial time, whether, and, and I know for different people's lives, that means really different things. So right. for some people, maybe three hours is a substantial amount mm. of time, right? Mm. And for others, people that might be a weekend or a week, but if you've ever spent time away from your device and felt the jitters, <laughs> felt mm-hmm. the kind of anxiety, I think when we're away from our devices, for whatever reason, that's when we start to realize how much it's actually shaping us. Mm. Right. And there's really interesting stories, anecdotes about children going on sleepover camp, right. Right where they're told they can't bring their phones. And at the beginning, they're all grumbling. They're like, ah, this stinks, right? But at the end of the week, everyone is like, wasn't that such a great week? We didn't have phones. We actually hung out with each other and got to talk and we weren't distracted by it. It was so great. And so I think one way to to realize or become self-aware is to spend a little bit of time away from our device, just to find like a little experiment even to be like, how's it going? The other way I think that we can know how much it's shaping us is just looking at some of the kind of broad-based data that's coming through about how Americans are sleeping less. Hmm. Like our sleep is, we're sleeping less or our sleep is getting more disrupted. Hmm. And a main reason, interestingly, that, that participants in these surveys are saying is because they're getting up and they're using their, their phones. Right, they're checking their social media, they're checking the latest score or whatever it is, right? Our sleep is getting disrupted. And the other really interesting trend that that kind of goes together, they're they're two separate kinds of studies, but I think they go together is more and more Americans are saying that they're lonely. Yeah. Even though they're connected, they're lonely. And then the other set of studies that are interesting and troubling is when people are asked, how many numbers of people do you have in your life who you would consider someone you're close to, a Mm. confidant, someone you would share something intimate with? And when you look through the decades, the number in the last couple of decades has shrunk Wow. to one or zero. Wow. Like the percentage of people who are saying zero has just like popped. Wow. Right. In the last couple of decades. And so it's kind of, you know, I mean, so that stuff doesn't tell you is it could be just correlation, right? There could be other things for sure happening in our society, in our culture that are leading, impacting these dynamics. 
but it's the kind of thing that needs to make us think, yeah. right? Hey, wait a second. This is the technology that's sold to me to like connect me more, to fulfill me more. And yet like it's actually the data is not showing it. Yeah. People are not actually feeling that reality. I think as Jesus followers, there are times when you, you feel like you're in rhythm with the way that God has designed humans to be. And for example, my best friend and his wife came to visit um, recently. Uh, I guess this was in the winter. They're from California. They were going to head back and they ended up, we ended up having snow. So they're like, we'll just stay and kind of beat us. So they ended up staying for an extended period of time. We just Mm -hmm. sat in the house. We cooked every meal together, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We stayed up at night talking. I don't remember touching my phone hardly at all. It was almost like I took a week off without even trying to take a week (laughs) off, but I was just with people whom I love and whom I know love me. And we just shared in conversation and we ate lots of meals and it was slow, really, really slow. And I took them back to the airport and I kid you not, I literally cried on the way home, which it caught me off guard. Like I didn't know what emotions I was feeling. Like what, what am I feeling right now? And what I remember thinking was that was so refreshing and so counter the way that my life normally, the rhythm of my life normally is. So what I mean there is it was almost like I was in rhythm with the way God had created Mm. humans Mm. and my soul felt that you're just kind of in that rhythm. And then there are things when you know that you're, that are going against the rhythm and you can't Mm -hmm. quite articulate it, but it might be, I'm not sleeping well, or I don't feel connected or I feel lonely or depressed, or I'm comparing myself to other people or whatever the thing is, all of those are like, you're out of rhythm Mm. in the way that God has designed humans to flourish. So some of that is just commentary, but I guess the question would be, in what ways are we seeing that it's actually pushing us what it's promising? It's promising to give us connection to validity, all this, but it's actually going against the rhythm of the Mm -hmm. way humans actually best flourish. And so we Mm -hmm. see, you mentioned some of that, but are are there any other Mm -hmm. things that come to mind when you think like, this is actually not the way humans flourish. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's interesting too, yeah. is as, as you think about that, that, you know, that mm-hmm. there was a Facebook whistleblower, which there's all kinds of political yeah, commentary yeah. around that, but they right. basically had somebody official say, like, just admit, yeah, actually, this is really bad. This is really, really bad <laughs> for humans and for our kids. So that's interesting. But anyway, I'll, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think, three things come to mind. I think as human beings, we are meant to be in communion with each other. So exactly your example, right, of being present with people and all felt it during the pandemic. I mean, everyone's felt that. The, The substantial difference in being in person with Mm -hmm. someone even versus being on Zoom you know, which is a great thing. I mean, we're so thankful for Zoom that we could continue yeah. so many relationships. But when we have had the chance to get in person with someone, we all know it's totally different, yeah. right? And it's so much more full. So being present and in relationship with people in a context in which genuine communion can happen. Yeah. I think, can, can you yeah. tease that out a little bit? Because some people... Yeah. I think I understand what you mean, but some people might hear that and be like, what do you mean communion? Like, mm. you know, might are we yeah, taking yeah. a little juice, you know, <laughs> oh, thing yeah, yeah, and break, <laughs> breaking the cracker? Like, what do you mean when you say communion? What does that mean to you? Yeah. 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 So when I use the term genuine communion, I mean 
being in a mental and emotional space where we are able to be fully ourselves with another person yeah or at least grow in that part of us yep and and the delight in receiving that dynamic from someone else right someone else sharing some genuine part of themselves with us yeah right that that is the kind of relational dynamic that we were created for right yeah. and that we are created for in our relationship with god and with with each other right so our that delight is is just a reflection right of our of the delight we that was built into our relationship with our creator god mm-hmm. right? and so we can spend a lot of time with people you know we could sit around and watch tv and go to movies together and there's wonderful good times that can come out of that but hopefully those are just kind of starting points for richer experiences uh, of being together and we're one of the first generations that like was in both like i remember i remember as a kid and during the holidays we would all pack up and drive 3 hours and go to my grandma's and the whole family would kind of converge at my grandma's house and we would stay for like a week for thanksgiving or christmas and there were no cell phones there was no social media there was nothing mm-hmm. and we would just sit in a house for like a week and just be with each other we would laugh yeah. and we would sing songs yeah. and we would cook yeah. and so you remember that like i have those very distinct memories and then now yeah. you think you know mm-hmm. then technology so we for our generation like i've split it you know half of my life was our the beginning part of my life was before all that stuff. And what I'm worried about is how many of those moments, like I'm trying to think, will my kids think, do they have any Mm. memory like that? Mm. Can they think of a single memory where we're just with that painting, that picture that you just painted of communion, Mm. where we're eating, we're celebrating the Mm. goodness of God and each Mm. other. And like, there's Mm. deep, rich conversation happening. Sometimes there's just laughing happening, like Mm -hmm. all without screens or devices. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think like, can my kids think of one Mm -hmm. of those examples? Yeah. They need one. And that scares me. Hey guys, hope this interview has been helpful for you so far. Just want to do a quick break and remind you that Samaritan's Purse is also our sponsor. Every year we work with them on their big project, Operation Christmas Child, where we pack shoeboxes. Families do this. Your church does this. Your small group does this. We pack these shoeboxes and they get sent all over the world and are a blessing to a lot of people, but also they help share the gospel and start a discipleship relationship with a lot of kids and families all over the world. I love what they're doing. Um, The very last day of collection week is actually November 22nd, so we're past that by the time you're listening to that. But the good news is you still might have time to pack a shoebox online. So if you go to SamaritansPurse.org, you can click the link in our show notes, but if you go to SamaritansPurse.org, they'll actually walk you through how to pack a shoebox online, and they can still send these out. Again, collection week has already happened so you won't be able to do this personally or with your family or with a group of friends, but you can pack them online, build them online and have them sent out. Again, go to SamaritansPurse.org. If you use the link in the show notes, that's best. You can click that directly or again, just go to SamaritansPurse.org. They'll get you set up on how to build a shoebox. And uh, hopefully we can participate in this every year. It's a really cool thing that the Tired community gets involved with to help bless and spread the gospel all over the world. All right, let's jump back into today's interview. Yeah, I think that's what makes our times what the challenge that we have. And this kind of gets at one of your questions earlier about what can we do, right? The challenge is that in order to have those times, we have to be intentional. Like we have to actually set guardrails and parameters 
to make them happen in the ways that people didn't have to before because there weren't mm -hmm. devices there to distract us, right? Yeah. Or to pull us away to check our work email or whatever, right? So in some ways, it's not that those times aren't impossible anymore. They just require more intention because the technology exists now. It's on the landscape. I talk about it, you know, one of the scholars talks about it in terms of affordances, right? Like, we may not day to day be forced to check our email or be forced to check our social media. But the fact that it's there is yeah. an affordance that you have to actually actively choose not to check it, right? Like you have to tell yourself, I'm not going to check it, yeah. right? Or you got to chuck your phone in the car trunk or something, right? To actually make that happen. And so it requires a kind of intentionality that before you get to the intentionality, there has to be self-awareness, right? Or an awareness that, right. hey, those times, like you said, that you grew up with, they don't happen spontaneously as easily anymore. Yeah. And so we're going to have to be more intentional about this. And that takes work, right? That takes work. It's overwhelming. There's such a big part of me that's just like, I'm going back to a flip phone you know, I'm just, I don't want to constantly have to like think, okay, don't touch your phone today. It's just like, if I'm honest, it just feels overwhelmed. Like, I don't know yeah. how you have a smart device and not be like thinking about, you have to think about it all the time. It's just so 99% of my work is done on my phone. We yeah, record, right? record this podcast, mm -hmm. but then we'll share with the audience and I'll interact with guys on social media and all this stuff. Totally. It's just like, so dependent on it. And yet I honestly, I feel like I hate it at the same time. You know, mm -hmm. it's just so mm -hmm. frustrating. It's such mm -hmm. a frustrating, I don't like when we were, when I described that picture with my family during the holidays, nobody was thinking, okay, nobody touch your phone. Right. <laughs> they didn't have to think that there was no, right. there's no phone to think about touching or not touching, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. But, I think it is deeply burdensome. And I do think of it in terms of a kind of tyranny or enslavement. Mm. Right. That there is this burdensome tie that we have with our devices. But I think this is where being a person of faith, where our imaginations can grow. Mm. Because I think if we worship the creator God, if Jesus Christ is our Lord, <laughs> right, truly our Lord, then this whole digital ecology should not be our Lord. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Somehow. Like, right. So then the, the, you know, the million dollar, billion dollar question is, well, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But if we think about it in terms of all other parts of Christian discipleship, where there may be other kinds of tyrannies and enslavements, we do have language for that. We do talk mm. about discipleship. We mm. do talk about healing. We do talk about, right, these processes of Christian formation that yeah. isn't just a weekend. It's not a 30-day plan. It's a lifelong journey of truly becoming someone who is free yeah. of the powers that yeah. we feel exercised upon us. And we become free because we have submitted ourselves to the created order of who God intended us to be. That's good. Right? Yeah. And so I think we do have language, like we do have practices, right? Pastoral practices and all of this. We just haven't quite figured out how to like apply it 
to yeah. this part of our lives. Yeah. That's really good and really interesting. I would like to talk about some of those practices. You know, one thing that I was thinking of as you were sharing earlier was one thing we're trying to do in our calendar as a family is we block out one night a week to cook a meal and invite somebody to share that meal with us. So it could be as simple as our widow, neighbor, could be friends, some new kid on the soccer team or whatever, but we just block it out. We're going to have dinner with somebody in our home yeah. once a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about some, I know you talk in your book about liturgy, like these practices. Mm-hmm. So I like to like coin kind of phrase. So like good food, yeah. no phones Tuesday or something <laughs> like that. Right. When everyone came in, it was like kind of like a rule for the Lopes family. Like if you come over, we want yep. to give you some really good food and hang out but you can't use your phone while you're here. Nice. Like you got, you got to awesome. set it up. Um, we haven't done that, but I'm saying, I'm just trying to think of ways <laughs> yeah. to just like grow that kind of mentality. Are these like rhythms yeah. as a family? I'm trying to be as think through practically. How do you give our kids experiences where they understand what it's like for humans to sit and eat a meal and talk to each other <laughs> for a long period of time without any devices? <laughs> That's yeah. one like simple way, but what are some other liturgical or like yeah. some, some kind of practices that we can implement as, you know, young parents? Yeah. Well, I think one really easy practice is actually committing ourselves to not looking at any devices for about 15, 20 minutes. If you can get it to 30, right when you wake up, Yep. that little zone, right? Yeah. From your wakefulness making your coffee, you know, getting the kids up or whatever it might be, right? That zone in which you are not taking in any sort of out outside stimulus, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether it's pleasurable or obligation, right? Or stressful, but you're just there. Yeah, You're just there with your family. You're there in your routines. You're present in your pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> right. I love um, it. And you, you might actually pay attention to what the weather is actually doing outside, mm. right? So those 15, 20 minutes, right when you wake up, and I would argue, even before you go to bed, the 15, 20 minutes before you totally crash, okay, no phones, no yeah. devices, no screens. And it doesn't have to, you know, like, if your jam is just being quiet, or prayer or reading scripture, it's great. But it might be reading a book, it might be journaling, it might be painting, doodling, like whatever, or cleaning, you know, like, I don't know, maybe none of us yeah, want to clean. Me. The you had me all the way up until cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> oh, right. Whatever it is. Yeah. This idea of like bookending our rest. Yeah. With just a little bit of time um, to be in our bodies and in the places where we are. I think can make a big difference, especially if we're paying attention, right? Like if we're paying attention just yeah. in those 15, 20 minutes. I'm just going to challenge every listener right now. That is such a practical and easy thing to do. Should be, you know, on paper, it's very manageable, but I think it will, if every listener who's, I'm talking specifically to the men who are trying to lead their families, well, set examples for their family. If you did this, I think you're going to take a giant leap forward in what it looks like to set an example to healthy rhythms and to godly rhythms. And I specifically would challenge, I want to do this myself. I want to take that challenge and I want to do it myself. And I think I'm, I really want to hit on that last thing you said, we're paying attention. So I'm not just 
putting my phone aside for the sake of putting it aside, but I'm putting it aside and I'm going to say, God, I know you speak in the quiet. And so this is just space for you to speak. Reveal in me, reveal my heart to me and what's going on, things that I might not even see that are going on. Man, I just think that there's a lot of men who would take a giant step in the right direction if we did that. And I love it. It's 15 to 20 minutes a day before I wake up and get started, or as I wake up and get started my day, last 15, 20 minutes of my day, I'm giving just quiet space and I'm intentionally asking God, whatever you want to say, I'm open to hearing. As I journal, as I do whatever, you know, whatever else, but just like, 15, 20 minutes a day, God speak to me, revealing me, my heart. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think a practice that can help the 15, 20 minutes is actually not having your phone in your bedroom. Mm -hmm. And so in our house, what we do, uh, the one win that we've had so far is that everyone in the house who has a device has to charge it on this one charger that mm. is the farthest place from mm. all of our bedrooms. Mm. We have to park it there. Yeah. So that when we are in our bedrooms at night sleeping, it's just not even a temptation, right? Or it is a temptation, but it's a lot harder to get out yeah. of bed and get walk across the house to get right. it. Right. Right. And so I think I like to think less in terms of like, oh, I have to get rid, like I have to stop doing email, stop checking my phone. I like to flip it and think I would love to have sacred rest. Yeah. I would love to have sacred time. Yeah. I would love a sacred place. Yeah. And so thinking about places, whether it's the bedroom or the dining table, Yep. as a sacred place, right? Yep. Like a physical place mm -hmm. that just feels free from all the temptations and stimulus and distractions, right? It's just like, hey, this is just, this is a, a tech-free space. You know, I tell my yeah. students all the time, like when I make them put away their phones or I have other ways of doing things that get them off their devices, I say, you know, like this is a tech free place. Mm. Like you should celebrate yeah. <laughs> that yeah. you're not, you know, and you can tell your friends and tell your parents like, yeah, your teacher is so mean. She makes you have like not you're not allowed to check your phone for 90 yeah. minutes. Like blame it on me, man. Yeah. Like I'm protecting you for 90 minutes to mm. not have to respond. Like yeah. this is great. You can yeah. just be here. This yeah. is your only responsibility. Right. And well, I think it's like that with our families, you know? I yeah. I love that ourselves. idea of, of switching the perspective. Like, mm -hmm. it's not that I just, I don't want my kids to be on a device. It's that I want them to know what genuine conversation and community, I want them to learn how to be silent, how to mm -hmm. sit in silence, how to sit in quiet. Like, mm -hmm. here are the characteristics that I'm trying to help impart on these yes. little disciples that Christ has given me to nurture up and raise. And so it's mm -hmm. less of here are the things. We're not going to do, but more of like, here are the qualities we're cultivating. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And so, I mean, and I'm sure a lot of us already have kind of struggled with this during the pandemic. I certainly do with my mm -hmm. kids is trying to, you know, with all the restrictions, you know, the studies have shown so many of us have let our children be on the screens a lot more yeah. than we normally would have. Right. And so now we're, 
now that things are kind of sort of going back to normal, we're, we're all trying to figure out how to get that back, yeah. right? And so hard and challenging. But I think it is really about what is this, what is the activity or the skill or the experience that is bigger and brighter and fuller yeah. than what they can find online? And a lot of times that's not an obvious quick answer. Um, being bored <laughs> is not mm. anything that any kid wants to be at mm. the moment. But we all know from experience and studies have shown, right, that when you actually are bored, you, like, your brain moves into a different space and it moves into a different kind of creativity and self-reflection yep. that is so much worth it. Yeah. And so being able to identify, right, like, hey, you know, make music, go out and paint, go out and use your body and dance or to hone that skill um, yeah. that you have in that sport, right? That those are worthwhile endeavors that will in the long run be super fulfilling. If you're able in your family to do it with other family members, yeah, right? That that's so much more rich because you're able to build that relationship too and, and share that experience together. Yep. And I know that takes a lot of work and a lot of intention, but it's the kind of thing that I think is doable if we just kind of do it in small increments and we take little steps and, and we see, does it, do we see kind of some payoff? Yeah. How are you, how are you feeling after that little thing? Yeah. yeah just ask yourself that Let, yeah. last night, my wife was at work. She works a couple of days a week at the hospital. And so I was home mm. with all four of our kids. And normally I would be, as I'm trying to prepare dinner before she gets home on these days, okay. normally I would just like, all right, Hey, all four of you go, just go watch a movie, you know, older two, watch the younger two, watch a movie. I'll cook dinner. And last night I was just like, so I've been having so many of these conversations about screens and devices. Mm. I was just like, Hey, you guys come cook dinner with me, which seems just like such an obvious, simple thing. Right. But they loved it. They were all chopping mm. the vegetables and they loved it. My <laughs> two-year-old almost chopped her finger off twice. Yeah, of and course. Her so stressful. <laughs> but they just loved, they talked about it as soon as mom, mommy got home. They're like, we got to cook dinner. We chopped all the vegetables in this, you know, they were, it's like something. So these seems it's almost calm. I feel silly saying this, you know, cause it's just like stuff that we did as kids, you know, it's just like, oh, wow, you were not on a screen and you cook, chopped some vegetables. <laughs> yeah, right. not many earth shattering ideas here, but yeah, I think they're just really simple ways that we can start to implement these things. I'll make a plug here for our, we have a dad tired app. That's not on social media. We, we've tried creating community on Instagram, Facebook. Those have all been, you know, grown or whatever, but we're trying to move everyone towards this app where there's just a bunch of dad tired guys who love Jesus and are trying to help each other be the best men God's called them to be. And so there's no ads, there's no political talk, there's no distractions, nothing inappropriate, just guys encouraging each other. So if that group can continue to grow the way that we see it is and we want it to be, I'm very well may consider just shutting down all of our social media stuff and just hanging out with all of our dad tired guys here because it's <laughs> so much more refreshing. Anyway, that's a plug. I'm, I'll be straight up with that. And we want all guys to go download that, connect dot dad tire.com connect dot dad tire.com go be part of that get off of social media if you want to or if you're wanting to get off social media but you still want to connect this is a great way to do it but that was the dad tire plug i want you to plug your book and uh, any other ways that people can get connected with you and your resources yeah so my book is restless devices it's coming out at the end of november 
and you can get it from Amazon and Barnes and Noble, all the usual places. Um, I also have a personal website, FeliciaWooSong.com. And there you can find out more about the book, speaking engagements that I have coming up and just kind of some of my background and what I've been thinking about. Awesome. Well, I know as this often is the case, we only really scratched the surface of all the stuff that we could have gotten, all the stuff I want to get to, but thank you for carving out some time. And as much as I would have loved to do this in person over real food and had that communion, I'm grateful that we could do this on Zoom. It was great meeting you and wish you the best as you continue to try to get people and families back into a, a rhythm of humanity that I think God desires us to be in. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much, too. It's been a real pleasure. Appreciate it. Hey, guys, hope today's episode was helpful for you and hopefully equipped you to be a better spiritual leader in your home. If you love what we're doing at Dad Tired, we'd love to have you come partner with us. You can do that by going to dadtired.com forward slash give. Again, that's dadtired.com forward slash give. We're going to be taking the next week off for Thanksgiving. But we'll jump in right after that. Hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Love you guys. We'll see you then. Bye.